Last night we had a uh, songwriter spotlight night. I didn't know what that would be. I thought it might be like a mini concert or something. No, it was like inside the actor's studio for songwriters. And, and if you didn't come, then you don't know what Wayne Berry's first musical instrument was. And you don't know some of the juicy stories of one of the world's most interesting men. Uh, but uh, we'll do another one at some point in time. You'll have a, t- a chance to come to that, and I encourage you to do so. And then also, I want to remind you that you know what this week is, right? This week is, yes, the, the crowning jewel of summer as we prepare our hearts and prepare ourselves and prepare our pocketbooks and our gifts for Father's Day. That will be coming up next week. Just, just wanted to mention that. Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. Would you stand with me? And let's read the last. Well, let's read this, this particular passage for the last time in this series. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. And Lord, I pray for your revelation today. I pray that you would open our hearts. Help us to to see things that maybe we haven't seen before. And, And Lord, help us to not lose what you give to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, as I was saying, this, this uh, is not the end of the series. We've got one more Sunday in this series, but it's the, uh, the end of our looking at this particular passage. And uh, a quick review. The most important thing about prayer is who you're talking with. And we're talking with our Father. Prayer is not um, an incantation spoken into the air to make things happen. Uh, prayer is not, uh, ad- should not be addressed to whom it may concern because who the answer comes from, where the answer comes from, is really more important than what the answer is. So our Father is how it starts out. And then the next thing that we're taught is to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because you see, Virtually everything that we can take to God, in fact, I, I think everything we can take to God, this, the answer is His kingdom. The answer is His kingdom in, in our lives. Uh, seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and then all of these other things are added, are added to you. So you, got, you, got, you need that foundation first, and then your will be done. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what will happen if you do this here, what's going to happen over there. We don't, necess- we don't know that. And he loves us. And, it, and he's at work for our good in everything. So why would we not want his will to be done? And besides that, that gummit, Jesus said, pray for his will to be done. Not just my will be done. And so then we also got on to asking for our daily bread. And this, this prompts, that gummit, by the way, is okay to be said. Uh, very, very mild preacher talk there. Uh, <clears throat> this prompts daily dependence for that which is needed for life. And I just want to remind you about one thing from that particular sermon. It's best to travel light. 
And when you, when you, when you got a lot of baggage that you're carrying, when you got a lot of stuff, traveling's hard. But whenever you're traveling light, there's a, there's a freedom. There's a, there's a pep in your step. There's, there's, there's a joy and a strength that you don't get when you, when you're encumbered down by a bunch of stuff. And then last week, Barbie, uh, talked about forgiving as we forgive. I mean, to be forgiven, forgive us as we forgive. And mm, I don't know about you, but it kind of hit me because she was talking about there being actually three, three phases of this. Now, when I pray this prayer and I get to the part about forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, I have a list. And it's not a list of these are the people I have a grudge against. It's a list of God, help me. Help me. Because I, I know I need to extend forgiveness here. And I, and I really thought I was doing pretty well until I heard Barbie's sermon last week. Because I think I maybe got that first step covered, you know, which was you, you cleanse them. The sinner is now cleansed in your sight. The second step I'm working on, which is you separate them from their sin. You separate them from what they did or what you think they did. You know, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he separated our sins from us. But that third one, where they come, in, you, they come into a place where you can actually honor them, <clears throat> I got homework to do. And I suspected a bunch of, I suspected a few of you do as well. I said a bunch, but that's actually what I meant. I, all is what I wanted to say. <laughs> and so today, uh, we're going to talk about lead us not into temptation. The Lord would lead us into temptation? Well, yeah, yeah. He would certainly let it come. First human beings on this planet, he allowed temptation to come to them. Adam and Adam and Eve. But it didn't stop there. I'm not going to address everybody, but, but a few particular uh, characters. If, if, you, if you're familiar with uh, Kings and, and Chronicles, then you may be familiar with King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was, in my opinion, which doesn't really count for anything except it's my opinion, was the most godly king Judah ever had. I mean, he, he, he was a hoss. Uh, he, he, he was preceded by an ungodly king. He brought revival to the land. He um, uh, led the people in worshiping the Lord. He restored the Passover. He uh, restored temple worship. Uh, and then later on in his, in, his, uh, in his reign, the Assyrians came to uh, surround Jerusalem and, and take Jerusalem over. And he trusted in the Lord rather than in anything else and in the word of the Lord. And God sent an angel and killed 185,000 of the enemy in one night. That was that's a big deal. And then later on, he got a terminal illness. He was, uh, in fact, Isaiah was sent to him to say, sit your house in order because you're not going to recover from this one. And he turned and he prayed to the Lord and the Lord, the Lord healed him. The Lord, uh, Lord gave him 15 more years. Uh, on his life. So, you know, this is, this is a godly king here. But then after all that happened, envoys came from Babylon and they came because of all of the, because of the miracles they'd heard about. And when they came, Hezekiah was feeling, you know, pretty full of himself. And yeah, there've been miracles around here. 
let me show you, let me show you everything that God has given to us. All, all of the blessings. These are our storerooms. These are the, this is all the gold. Look at the beautiful. We got the gold. We got all this stuff going on. And Isaiah came to him afterwards and he said, who are those people? And uh, he said, oh, they were from uh, a country called Babylon. And Isaiah says, one day the king of Babylon is going to come and he's going to take your sons into captivity and everything that you showed to them is going to be taken to Babylon and this city is going to be destroyed. And Hezekiah thought, okay, that's cool. I won't be here. And you know, I mean, that, like none of us would think that. Yeah. The Scripture says over in Second Chronicles thirty-two, thirty-one, when the envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask Hezekiah about the miraculous signs that had occurred in the land, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. And God already knew what was in his heart. And, you know, that didn't make Hezekiah a bad man. I'm not saying that. But... But sometimes testing comes to reveal what's in our hearts. Reveal to us what's in our hearts. He allowed testing to, to come to Job. <laughs> so, well, that was testing. The temptation was to curse God and die. That was, that was what the temptation was that had come. He allowed Peter and the other disciples to be, to be sifted like wheat. In fact, everyone, everyone is tempted and tested. And so Jesus, as part of our daily prayer, should be a daily reminder and a request to have temptation removed and, and, and for God to defend us in the, in the face of, of temptation, testing. Now, here's some facts about temptation. There's uh, actually four facts that I want to give here. And the first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. But uh, It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Elijah's highest point, I believe, in his ministry was calling down fire on Mount Carmel, killing the, the prophets of Baal, uh, breaking the, the three-year drought. I mean, that day the rains came when, it, when Elijah played. I mean, this guy, he's calling Israel back to the Lord. He's on top of the world. He's got it going on. And within a couple of days, he's running for his life and begging God to kill him. Because you see, when you're, when you're up here, you know, I mean, now, if you totally put it in God's hands, you can go higher and higher. But once you begin to go, I got it going on. That's what happens. David couldn't have, I mean, thing, David was on top of the world. He defeated the, the, the Philistines. He had established his rule at the Euphrates River, of all things. He, he uh, controlled Damascus. Um, he, he was a famous songwriter by this point in time, you know, a worshiper, respected, honored. The people are prosperous. They're happy. They're, things are just going great. And so one day he sends his armies out to, to go take care of a little, little problem. Uh, <clears throat> while he stays home, I don't know, probably may have attended a worship service. I don't know. And after it's all over, he's feeling good, feeling, ah, goes out, gets on the Balcony on a beautiful night and sees a beautiful woman taking a bath. You know, I don't know. I uh, I used to go to youth camp when when I was a kid. 
<laughs> and I don't know if I should even say this or mention anything about it, but anyway, I just will. You know, and youth camp, we would have, okay, I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, I will. Uh, we, we'd have these great services. They were always great services. I mean, they were always, yeah, Jesus, you know, it was great services. Kids are crying and snot's flying everywhere and people are rededicating their lives and it's sweat. It's great. It's really great. And then when it's over, you go get a candy bar and, and, a, and, and, and a soda. And then after you've had your little, your spiritual rush, your sugar rush, then it's dark and there are woods out there. There are boys, there are girls. It's a, it's a trial. It's a test. It's a real temptation. Not everybody passes. I'm just saying. When when you when you really think you got it going on, is when you're it's when you're in the most you're in the most trouble. Just just hours, just hours before denying that he even knew Jesus Christ. Peter was having dinner with him. And Jesus says, well, where I'm going, you're not going to be able to go. And Peter goes, I can go. Why why can't I go? I'll lay my life down for you. Will you really lay your life down? I will lay my life down for you. I have just attended the Last Supper. I'm an apostle. I love Jesus. I got this thing going on within before sunrise. Before sunrise. Denied that he even knew him. Back in the back when we were in Zimbabwe in the mid uh, '80s, um, a lot of things were going on in the mid '80s in the church, especially over here. Uh, there was this television preacher named um, Jim Baker, and another one named Jim Swagger, Jimmy Swagger, and they, you know, both had spectacular falls and uh, made national news and everything. And a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he and his wife, Phil and Patty Nelson, came uh, to, to Zimbabwe for a conference, and they stayed with Margaret and I, and, and, uh, and it wasn't just the national news guys. Phil was pastoring a, an Assembly of God church up in uh, Chicago, in the Chicago area, and apparently one of the district superintendents, and that's somebody who's over the whole state, uh, one of the district superintendents said, had a similar fall to these to these other guys, uh, fallen from ministry, fallen into immorality, uh, and it didn't make national news, but I mean it made it made the rounds in the in in the church, and you know and Phil and I were I remember us I remember exactly where we were standing in the kitchen, and both of us I mean we were in our mid thirties we didn't know anything, you know both of us were kind of going how could anybody how could they possibly I mean couldn't you see that coming. I mean, couldn't you figure out, if I do this, this is probably what's going to happen. I mean, really? And then uh, when we came back here and started pastoring here, the, uh, there was a young couple in the church, um, Sean and Lisa Keith, and Lisa's mom attended the church in Chicago where Phil pastored. And I still remember the Sunday morning that they came in and said, have you heard about Phil? No. Yeah, well, he announced his resignation to the church last Sunday. Uh, apparently he's had a mistress and he's leaving his wife and stepping out of the ministry. And 
Here's the thing. When you think you're firm, not when Phil thinks he's firm, or David thinks he's firm, or Ronnie thinks he's firm, when you think you're firm, is when you're the most likely to fall. Occasionally I'll run into people who um, claim that they don't sin. Now, I don't run into them very often because most of them just really are bozos. I'm just saying. Uh, And the Scripture says that if we claim we're without sin, we make God out to be a liar. And His Word has no place in our lives. But occasionally I'll run into people who go, no, I don't don't sin anymore. What, What is wrong with you? You know, and I don't mean what is wrong with you. Why aren't you sinning? I, I mean, you know, what, what is wrong with you? You're a, you're a human being, aren't you? And, and I don't run into them too often, but I, I, oftentimes I'll run into their next of kin, which are those who feel called to tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. That was, a, that was important. Uh, but here's the deal. <laughs> When you think you're firm, you're the most vulnerable. And daily, we need, to be, we need to pray to be spared temptation. We need to pray for deliverance from the evil one. And then three other things fairly quickly here, and it's in the next verse. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And by the way, just let, let me say this, because, you know, in the, in the age of Internet and things going out and stuff, you know, I love Phil. He's one of my dearest friends, and God has redeemed him and redeemed his ministry, and, and it, it would, it, I'd be remiss in not saying that. But three things, three things from this. Uh, first of all, is no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You are not the only one. You're not even the worst one. You just think you are. The enemy would have you think that you're, that you're worse than others. And the only, the only thing worse than thinking that you're worse than others is thinking that you're better than others. But it's a close race. They're, they're, they're pretty tied in there together. But his goal, you see, is to isolate you. His goal is to isolate you, to remove, to call you out of the flock, to remove you from, from, from the fellowship, and, and get you one-on-one, if not physically, and he would love to do it physically, but if not physically, at least in your thinking. Nobody else deals with, with, with lust the way I have to deal with it. Nobody else deals with fear the way that I have to deal with it. No, nobody else deals with, with, with money or, or, or whatever it may be the way that, that I have to deal with it. And that's just simply not true. It's just simply not true. In fact, the Scripture says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. The Scripture says when we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Woo! That's a pretty good deal, but we have to step out and walk in the light. Now, you, with, with somebody... With somebody. And you can't do that when you're thinking, it's only me. But it's not only you. It's not. 
And the second thing that he says here is that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but, I, but I, because that's important. But when I do read that, I always have to think, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger, except bears. <laughs> bears will kill you, yeah. <laughs> Temptation does come to make us stronger. It, come, it comes to make us stronger. It comes to purify us. It comes to transform us. It comes to bring us, bring us into glory. We go from glory to glory to glory, higher and higher. Do you think that's easy? I, I mean, you know, we, we, we sing it, and we kind of think like it's sort of like, we going up there, you know. But the, the truth of the matter is, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to get out of that cocoon and go to the next phase. And God, God knows, God knows what you can handle. But, but he's going to do it because he wants to purify you. Job, over in Job 23.10 says, When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. But you're not going to come forth as gold until he tests you. You're not, you're not going to... The impurities are not removed from the silver without fire, with, without, without, a, without a testing. And God knows you can, what you can bear. Not everyone is Job. Not everyone can deal with, with, with what he could deal with. And it doesn't mean that you're lesser if you can't deal with much. It, it just simply means he knows where you came from. He knows what was put into you. He knows, he knows every intricate thing about your life. And whatever comes your way... He knows it can be endured and handled, or he wouldn't let it come your way. And he is faithful. He's faithful. That's, that's the key. And, and, and then third, the third thing in here is that when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He will provide the power to endure. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, was talking about having a thorn in the flesh. And some people go, what was this thorn in the flesh? I don't know. Who cares? It was a thorn in the flesh. You know, whether it was physical or people or whatever it may be, it may have been a little bit of both. But he said, I prayed three times for God to take this thing away. And those, those of you who are familiar with the scripture know what God said to him. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And you know what Paul said back to him? Therefore, I will glory in my weakness so that Christ's power can be manifested in me. He will provide the strength to endure, and he'll do it by providing a way out, a way of, a way of escape is what some of the translations say. And I go, well, what, you know, what, what's the way of escape? You know, how do you find the way of escape? Most of the time you find the way of escape by not ignoring it. Because usually it's as obvious as it can possibly be. Would you please familiarize yourself before we have this show with the with the, uh, the emergency exit signs around the room in the unfortunate event of a testing or a trial. 
I promise you, there's an illuminated exit sign there. It's just a matter of if you're going to take it or not. Some, sometimes it's as simple as actually getting up and walking out the exit sign. Sometimes it's as simple as turning the knob or pushing the button or walking away from the computer or walking away from the confrontation. You go, well, you know, if I got, I don't necessarily want to run away, escape, run away. That, that's, that's really part of the deal. You can't escape without going somewhere. You actually have to get up and Go, whether it's mentally or physically, and it's, and it's there. And He will provide it. Look for it. Stop ignoring it. What, whatever it is that, that is dogging you, I, I bet right now, if you, if you stop and thought about it, you'd go, oh yeah, that's how to do that. That's how to beat that. You, you just don't want to do it. Yeah. But you can. You can, and, and the second time's easier than the first time. And the third time's easier than the second time. I mean, he will provide a way of escape. And then finally this. Deliver us from the evil one. Those who, uh, who learned this prayer in the King James learned, deliver us from evil. And, and certainly that's, that's fine, but most modern translations say evil one. And, and even those that don't, that don't usually footnote the alternate reading. Evil is not a disembodied concept. Evil is not a disembodied concept. It is attached to a being. Righteousness is not a disembodied concept. If there is no righteous one, then there's no such thing as righteousness. And your righteousness depends on your standing with the righteous one. And evil... Is a matter of aligning oneself with the evil one. And the evil one, <laughs> the evil one's a hoss compared to us. Now, compared to God, no, but compared to us. In fact, Peter says over in 1 Peter 5 8, and Peter ought to know be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He comes to steal and kill and destroy, and he does this by lying and dividing. And he's really good at it. He's really good at lying. He's really good at, at, at dividing and, and separating us, se- se- separating believers, separating family members, separating co-workers, separating. He's, he's really good at doing that. And, 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 and in doing that, he steals and kills and destroys. He, he'll steal your peace. He'll steal... Uh, he'll steal your your testimony. He'll steal all the all the stuff that you have. He'll steal your loved ones. He, he'll destroy your relationships if if you let him do that. And at times you may hear someone say, "Boy, we're really under attack by the devil." Duh. That's what he does. And and in fact. We're always under attack by the devil. Part of the attack is not recognizing that we're being attacked. When things are smooth, well, I mean, you know, when, when, when it's going great, when you think you're standing firm, you know, when, when, when there's plenty of money in the bank, you know, when the kids are all behaving, ha, when, uh, when, you know, you've, you, 
You've been going to church regularly now for two months. I mean, you know, it's just all, yeah, on, on the up and up. Yeah, and you go, well, the devil's far away from me now. No, he's not. No, he's not. The, 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 the attack is, is there. And it's, it's going on. And you can't fight him or defeat him in your own strength. You, you can't really even fight him in your own strength. Half the time when we think we're fighting the devil, we're actually doing his work. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. Half the time when we think we're fighting the devil, we're actually doing his work. Anybody ever heard of the Crusades? Inquisition? You know, and, and, and the Crusades and the Inquisition go on in miniature fashion in our lives today on a frequent basis. And so you say, well, you know, you gotta, you got to fight against evil. Well, that's why I don't, I don't focus on fighting the devil so much as I do on following Jesus. You know, if I, if I focus on fighting the devil, I may or may not be right. But if I focus on following Jesus, I always got it nailed. That one I can always point people towards. And maybe, I don't know, you know, like let the Holy Spirit or something work in their lives and begin to work things out and, be, and, begin, and begin to clean them and purify them and make them come forth as pure gold. And for, but for, so for myself, I want to I focus, focus on Jesus because, you see, the Lord God Almighty is, is an available resource. James says this, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, obviously, there are two two parts to this this instruction, and they're both very important. But I can promise you, the second one is worthless without the first one. You can resist and resist and resist and resist and resist all you want, and the only thing you'll do is either be defeated, or, or think you succeeded and become proud. It starts with submit yourself to God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my life. When you do that, then God steps in takes his place between you and the enemy. And when, and when the enemy sees you, he doesn't see you. I mean, he sees the warrior. He, he sees the, the, the Lord of, of heaven's armies is what he sees. And so he'll run away. He'll flee from you. But that's, that's, that's how you win the battle. That's how you... And, it, you know, there's so many things in the faith that seem counterintuitive. You have to die to live. You, the more you give, the more is given back to you. You know, not the more you save, the more you got. The more you give, the more you got. And one of the things that's counterintuitive, if you want to win, you got to surrender. If you want to conquer, you've got to submit yourself to God. And then resist the devil. He'll flee from you. When I came back to the Lord, there were a couple of things in my life that, 
Well, they were just sins. I mean, let's just let's just face it. You know, there probably weren't a couple things, but I mean, there were no, there were a lot more than a couple things. But there were a couple things in my life that just went poof, gone. And what happened was, I just totally submitted to God, and He went, "Okay, this is one of the things that I know Ronnie really can't deal with." So. It's gone. And this thing, you can't deal with that very well either. So, out of here. Now, these things, we're going we're gonna to keep here. We're going to teach you some battle. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna help refine you and change your life. So, you're, gonna, you're still going to have to deal with some stuff. But these other things, I mean, just put your life in His hands. And you do it daily. You do it daily. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, may your kingdom come. I want your will to be done, God. Yours, right here on earth, as it is in heaven. Give, me, give us what we need today, Lord. Forgive us and teach us to forgive. Help us to forgive. Oh, and don't lead us into temptation. Deliver us from that evil one. And, and by the way, I don't think he'd mind you saying, and deliver my son from that evil one, and deliver my daughter from that evil one, and deliver my boss from that evil one, and deliver, deliver that, that cranky neighbor I've got from, from the evil one. For the kingdom is yours, and the power is yours, and the glory belongs to you. Would you stand? I love you guys. Man, woo. Uh, with those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if, uh, if, you, if you came today and you need prayer, uh, whatever you brought in that you're not supposed to take home, would you come down here and leave it here?